Welcome to another episode of the She Ventures Now podcast. I'm Gayon Nicole, your host, and I love sharing tips on how to make quantum leaps in personal change for millennial women. In this special episode, I interview a longtime friend and IT project manager, Ramona Jackson, and she basically just shares her journey of changing careers. I appreciated her willingness to just get vulnerable on how she pivoted, things she endured, tips on changing careers, and just ways in which you can get out of your own way. If you're interested in making a career change, or maybe you're in the middle of making a career change, maybe you should check this podcast out and really listen for some encouragement. All right, we are live. Hey, Ramona. Hey. Thanks so much for joining me on the She Ventures Now podcast. I appreciate you. I'm excited too. And like, just from watching you from afar, I feel like you've done exactly what She Ventures Now is about which is quantum leaps for personal change. And in regards to career change, I've seen you pivot um, maybe like several times. And it's been cool to just see from afar, like it can be done and it can be done well. And it's amazing. (laughs) So thanks again for just making the time. But why don't you go ahead and just segue into giving an introduction of who you are and how we know each other and, you know, just your whole journey. Sure. So I'm Ramona Jackson, recently married this past October. Um, met Gayon in college um, through church at First Assembly. So great time. Um, right now, I am a technical project manager for ICF Olson. It's a consumer experience agency. Um, so we do a lot of digital work for companies. And I'm currently on the UPS.com rollout for their new website Ooh. globally. So that's pretty exciting. But I've been in project management for about seven years, and it happened uh, kind of serendipitously. I was in banking for almost four years, not really happy, and applied for a PM job with zero experience. Wow. So here today. <laughs> wow. This is good. This is good because typically the first question is like, why do you feel comfortable doing a podcast interview? But I already can sense that you have a teacher's heart and you like to give and share and bring other people up with you. That's like something from like freshman year college at UF that I felt from you. And it's so cool to see it now, but why don't you tell us more about like (laughs) that moment where you felt like I want to change. I'm unhappy. Like tease that out a little bit. Tell us more about that, that time. Yeah. So I I started with Bank of America right after I graduated, um, got into a, a leadership training program there. Um, hoping to get into product management because my background was in marketing yeah but um as luck or unluck would have it um, the housing crash happened about a year after i started working with bank of america so there were hiring freezes galore across the industry um and i got stuck in client fulfillment which is pretty much customer support for bank of america right and i toiled there for about two and a half years toiled um, toiled <laughs> I love the word. Trying to figure out where do I go from here. Like right. I, I'd heard about this happening back in like the 80s and 90s where, you know, the market collapses and people are trying to find their way. So yeah. here I was in that same predicament. Yeah. Um, and as, I, as it would happen, as most often, most pivots occur, it's someone in your sphere 
So there was um, a young lady that I worked with who was a project manager Mm -hmm. um, in another division, but we started talking. She's a Spelman grad, and she kind of had the same heart that I have Mm -hmm. for teaching and lifting as I climb. So she kind of took me under her wing and said, hey, what are you interested in? I said, I have no clue. She's like, well, let me show you a little bit about project management. And it just exploded from there. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's really cool. I love, I even like that, that, um, that line, lifting as I climb. That's really cool. Was there ever a moment that you felt extra nervous? Like mm-hmm. that, and, and just, and, and I bring that out because I feel like um, sometimes anxiety is not like something people want to talk about. They don't want to be on it's it's a defense mechanism right we don't want to say that we're anxious we want to put on that we're confident we know what we're doing we're secure but really when you're about to make a pivot you sometimes are just like i'm uncertain about everything <laughs> i don't yeah. know what i'm gonna do how am i gonna pay my bills what are people gonna think you know can you tell us about maybe that extra nervous moment or do you did you ever have that yeah um it was one of those weird times too where i was out of balance on all fronts yeah so- I had just had my second child, um, so close to just graduating from college. My marriage was on the rocks. Ah. I didn't feel as close um, to God spiritually, like, that I, I felt farther away from him than I had in my entire life. Wow. So That's hard. My whole mind, body, spirit, just everything so... was off. Yeah. Um. But this pivot was kind of the catalyst for me to find a church home, to get out of a bad relationship, and to kind of focus not just on my kids, but also on myself. Yeah. Um, So that was a scary time in general. Wow. Um, But sometimes you need one thing to go right for everything else to kind of fall into place. Look at me. (laughs) So this, me discovering project management, Um, getting my certification and having a consulting company say, we're going to take a chance on you. Yeah. That was like the thing that set everything in motion for my entire life to kind of get back on track. Yeah. But that, that entire period, probably the three months that I was studying for the exam and the three months that I was looking for my first role were the scariest six months of my life. Wow. It's so funny. You actually saying that and describing that whole scenario gave me goosebumps because I feel like people don't recognize like stuff can be horrible around you and you're on the verge of like pivoting to greatness you're on the verge of a major quantum leap you're on the verge of completely doing a 180 for yourself and you need that assurance that like everybody goes through this (laughs) you know so it's thank you so much for telling us about that do you think um and i and i know that you um were part of sorority and i feel like you have a great network of friends that you constantly invest in do you find that there are like classic symptoms of um career frustratedness is what i call it career frustration Yeah, definitely. I think um, the same way that kind of all of those areas of my life were kind of in flux, I think if you are in a bad space professionally, it will affect all of the other areas of your life. So if I'm with a friend and or with a coworker even, and it seems like they're not eating right or they don't want to go exercise anymore or they start having family problems, like they're those non-career, non-professional symptoms of burnout or symptoms of confusion, like usually are leading back to the root cause of, I'm in this this role, 
I'm at this job. I want a career. I'm not sure what I want to do. I know what I want to do, but I don't, I can't get there. Yeah. Until you figure that out, everything else will mm-hmm. be affected. So yeah. when I see people in my life that are like that in my different spheres of influence, I try um, to ask the five whys and get them back to that root. Mm-hmm. Because we spend eight hours a day, if not more, Girl. on a job. Yeah. two Almost 2,000 hours a year, at yeah. least, at a job. And yeah. it's such a big deal. I mean... Sometimes I, you know, I've, I've, I've been known to say this, but I backed off a little bit because I never want to sound very um, biting towards people about career paths or whatnot. But as a career coach, I remember realizing like, man, sometimes we're so good at planning our vacations more than we're good at planning our career path or what we really yeah. want to do. And yeah. it's so important because it can bleed, like you said, into so many other things. So that's a good point. Thanks for, for sharing about those symptoms. I think for me, Sunday anxiety is a big, like number one. How do you feel Sunday afternoon right before you go to work on Monday? Yep. Number two, what's your mindset like um, every morning when you wake up and you have to answer your alarm? Like, how do you feel? Literally, be honest, you know? Um, yeah. And I think depression, people don't want to talk about it, but if you're depressed, it mm-hmm. like you got and you have to get to the place where you acknowledge it. Right. Like, I'm sad yeah. about what are you sad about? You know, yeah. um, tell us about some thought patterns or aha moments along your journey. And and that could be even after you pivoted, like mm-hmm. anything that you've had that has been like, wow, light bulb. I should have known this. I wish I knew this yeah. when I graduated. Yeah. I think, um, the biggest thing, biggest aha moment I've had is probably about four years ago. So about three or so years after I started, um, doing project management, I decided that I wanted to branch out on my own. And I took another leap into entrepreneurship as a project manager, doing contract work, not through an agency, but through myself. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I got a name. I, you know, (laughs) got a license, set up my EIN. I did website. I did social media. I got my first contract um 1099 from a previous customer of mine and i was like oh i'm on my way this is good (laughs) that contract ended six months later because we were wrapping up that engagement and i didn't have my next lead yeah i didn't have my next contract yeah and i was like oh i thought this would be different and i didn't have all of the tools that i needed to build a pipeline and create a network where I would have consistent yeah. project management work coming in for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't, this was my first kind of foray into entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And I ended up having to come back into corporate after that because yeah. I hadn't done the necessary things to, to build. To yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was my first aha one point in my life for myself and not for someone else. But I'm just not ready for that. I don't have enough years under my belt as a PM. I don't have, you know, that breadth and depth of experience. I don't have a large enough network for people to come to me and say, Hey, I've got something I want to throw you. Yeah. And you kind of need those things before to, to transition. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, it's not uncommon to kind of, tr- you know, transition back to corporate after mm-hmm. doing some, some contract work by yourself and starting, mm-hmm. that's not uncommon. You know, that's mm-hmm. not like a failure at all. That's like part of your notch on your belt of experience and being able to navigate that. So that's, that's definitely an aha moment there. 
Um, can you tell us anything that you have realized about, I guess, con you know, just con concept wise on time? Like, has your view on time changed at all in your career experience? Um, I think so, especially as a project manager, because we're kind of graded on <laughs> how well we manage time and how yeah. well we manage budgets. Yeah. Um, so I think it has shown me that people's estimations of themselves um, are oftentimes much lower than they should be. And their estimations of the work that they're able to do are also much lower than they should be. So one of the first lessons I learned as a PM was if one of your resources tell you it's going to take three hours to do that, multiply it times three. It'll really take them nine. <laughs> and that nine will include That's good. if they need to fix something or if they have questions or if they get pulled away for something else. So that has made me look at things differently because now I'm kind of putting myself in the shoes of all my resources, putting myself in the shoes of my family, of my friends, and helping them to better not only estimate their productivity and what they're able to do, but also estimate themselves, make them say, hey, you told me you could only do 100 requirements. I'm pretty sure you can do 300. Yeah. And if I give them to you, let's see where you land so yeah. that you can be able to better say, this is what I'm capable of or this is what I'm not capable of. Yeah, that's good. It's funny, kind of the dynamic between people um miss like misestimating the time requirements and then misestimating how much they can do it's like it'll take only 15 minutes no it's gonna take an hour yep. and you thought you could only do 100 no you could do more so yeah. like put them together it's like do more and also give yourself more space to do it that's that's really good um yeah. has your and i feel like this is a this is a really good question for you about aha moments okay What's your view or how have your views on money changed since you've kind of up-leveled in your career? Yes. Miss Coins Queen. Yes. <laughs> so, I think my aha moment came a couple of, two years ago to be exact. Mm -hmm. I was making six figures but living paycheck to paycheck. Wow. How did that happen? And being in project management, you, you have a, a really potential, especially if you're working for uh, large enterprises or corporations. But as I would get increases, or be it bonuses or merit increases on my salary, my lifestyle would level up. I would travel internationally more. I you know got a new vehicle. I put my kids in more sports and extracurricular activities. I did more eating out. I did more entertaining. And before I knew it, I had doubled my income from when I first left college, but I was, I had doubled my expenses as well. Yeah. So about two years ago, I said, this is not right. <laughs> I'm making all of this money, but I have nothing to show for it. So that was my aha moment. Like, wow, this career switch has afforded me so much financially, yeah. but I should not carry that flexibility over into my spending. Mm. So I started researching and trying to figure out how I could, again, pivot my thinking yeah. about money, mm -hmm. um, especially because I'm managing budgets as a PM. And then how could I teach my children that and work with my husband on that and show my friends all that I was learning? And yeah. over the past two years, I've 
did a complete 180 and put myself in a position now to have something to show for the salary that I've been afforded as a PM. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. That's really good. I appreciate you even, I wasn't expecting that, Ramona. I was expecting something else. But like, I really appreciate you talking about that. Like living paycheck to paycheck is not just for those people who are straight out of college, who don't know how to manage money, who don't necessarily have, you know, the experience with getting that large of a salary, but it still can happen, you know, after you've kind of leveled up. So, wow, that's really, that's really good. Do you think that there is a psychological tax from people doing work they don't love? Definitely, because I think you try to overcompensate in other areas. How so? Um, don't love the work that you're doing for eight hours every day. You're like, oh, I deserve this new pair of shoes because oh, wow. I've had such a hard time at job, or I deserve to go out and have drinks with my friends. I deserve to go on a trip internationally every three months. But if you have that peace about what you're doing and your calling and you have good relationships with your manager and your coworkers, you carry that over into your after five life. And now it's like, yeah, I don't necessarily need to live it up, you know, every day because I'm living it up from eight to five. Yeah. With the people that I'm working with and the work that I'm doing. Um, so I can go home and rest and, and be okay and, you know, take a trip here and there or, or splurge on myself here and there, but I don't need to make myself feel better after five mm-hmm. at the expense of my wallet Yeah, <laughs> because I'm focusing on making sure that I'm in the right place from eight to five. That's good. That's good. That actually triggered a memory that I had with a good family friend of mine who's is kind of triggered from what you just said is, um... He's known to travel, but he st- he straight up said to me, he's like, you know, I think I've been traveling all this time as a form of escape. Yeah. And I remember being like, like, I've never even, th- I just thought people travel because they love traveling. He was like, no, I think I've really, for the first time, I feel like I see the connection between um, overworking and then mm-hmm. wanting to travel as a form of escape. And yeah. so it was like, wow, it's really eye-opening. So here's my fifth question to you. What do you say? What would be your, like, one thing that you think people need to do to reset their career? I think the first step is always the biggest step, no matter how small it is. Yeah. And usually, unless you already have clear direction, that first step is exploration. So I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, as far as my pivot was concerned, but I had people around me, namely the, the young lady who introduced me to project management saying, well, let me show you something new. Right. And that led to, hey, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. Let me do some more research. Let me do some informational interviews. Hey, let me create some opportunities in my current job to do what I want to do after this job. And then that led me to where I am today. So that, that, that first big step of exploration and just figuring it out yeah, is probably the biggest step you take and all the other steps will be much smaller, you know, getting certified if you need to, um, building your network, yeah, uh, cleaning up your resume, so on and so forth. But that exploration and being able to hold in on your, your end game, your goal, yeah, the career that you want to move into, that is huge and if you don't do that right Mm -hmm. you can set yourself down a path that will set you back 
ultimately. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned exploration. Um, I think people overlook that. I think people literally um, desire or without thinking about it, they desire like a linear jump. Like it has to be from not this to this and it be certain from the get go. Like, I, you know, this is what I, this isn't working. I'm going to just do this instead of, or this is the next opportunity. I'm going to just do that. I'm going to put my resume out there and just get another job because this one isn't working. And it's, it's funny because they didn't do the exploration, the introspection, the internal work. They find themselves at the same frustration again because they just never explored. And so that's good. That's good stuff. So you ready for rapid fire? I know this sounds cheesy, but like, I just try to get excited. Shorter, shorter questions, shorter answers. Best tip on finding a new job. I think you probably already covered it, but go for it. Um, Network, 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 network. Yes. No substitution for it. The, The world of applying online through portals that's going away that is oh my gosh like i i i feel this i feel one it's just inefficient and it's almost um it's like self-sabotaging to think that you're going to apply to 50 companies one day and think that you did a great job of like inner pre-interviewing at these companies you got to be human you got to go go be in front of people you know, or do you feel like there's any pocket of um, networking, like how to network that people need to know better to do? Um, I have been focusing on networking in the technology space because I feel like it's becoming kind of the baseline. So yeah. No matter what you do, you can be in food science, but if you take food science to the technology meetups, you'll find a way to bridge the gap. That's and good. And you'll make sure that you... Um, create a marketability factor for yourself going forward because you yeah. kind of have to insert that fashion technology, food science technology, yeah. technology, yeah. everything. So I focus on going to technology meetups, going to uh, think tanks and incubators within metropolitan areas and yeah. things like that. General Assembly, they're all over the world, things like that, that help a lot. I um, I'm finding, and this is like kind of new, but I'm putting it into some of the workshop material I'm creating. I feel like people forget to just network where they're interested and allow their transferable skills to come out to whatever opportunities present themselves at those places they're interested in. So again, you might work in an industry, you're not necessarily interested in that industry, but you've always worked as a BD. You've always worked as an IT project manager, but you're really interested in the beauty industry. And that's just something that you do for fun, but you've got these skill sets and somebody there is like, yo, we really need a BD. Yo, we really need an IT project manager. And it's actually in an industry you like. It's like sometimes we forget, like networking doesn't just need to be in this bubble of what I do for my job. It can yeah. be for anything that you're interested in. So, but rapid fire question number two, what's your best piece of advice on crushing an interview? Miss, I just got a new job in the last three weeks. Crushed the interview in a day. Got an offer in two hours. <laughs> Crushing the interview is 100% building a connection with your interviewer. Okay. So I do research ahead of time through LinkedIn and Google yeah. um, to figure out what that person does, not just at work, but at, after five. So okay. what organizations they're a part of. And then I try to find a way to weave that into the interview. Because That's good. Establishing that bridge makes makes it so that they'll remember me afterwards. And okay. That, 
that memory of me helps when they've got 50 applicants. That's good. To decide who to move forward to the next phase. Do you have anything that's like um, something you, I don't want to say, a technique that you use besides that, like besides pre-interview researching mm-hmm. the people that you're going to be interviewing with? Do you have a technique that Ramona does when she's in front of a potential employer? Like, mm-hmm. um, I always try to talk about non-work related things to try to soften mm, that's good. the atmosphere. So I'll talk about camping because I love to camp. I'll talk about hiking. I'll talk about traveling. I'm a foodie. I'll talk I about like food. that. Yes. So I try to make it just like this is a conversation between new friends like we're having coffee and we're trying to build that rapport that's good that's exactly something that i'm really big on like be human Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know let them see that in you and let them feel like you're someone that they could connect with at a coffee shop you know Mm -hmm. bookstore that's good uh best tip on negotiating salary ramona i'm really interested in your take on that So pre-work is important. Um, You took it. That's good. The biggest, even more important than pre-work, knowing what the industry averages are, what the regional averages are for that particular job or skill set, knowing what you're worth. So I can research all day long about what the industry says I should be paid. Yeah. I have a number in my head, regardless of that, that... I want and or need to be able to move to the next level. Right. When I started this job three weeks ago, I went through that process. I got an offer. I said, "Hmm, really appreciate this offer, but I'm looking for this as a complete package. Not just my salary, but my PTO, my married increases, um, other more intangible benefits like I stopped negotiating salary about the same time that I made a pivot on my financial thinking and yeah. now I negotiate packages right which is smart which is what all of the wealth um authors and career coaches talk about now stop thinking mm-hmm. about just a number and start negotiating yeah. other factors because that come like that's a part of you know your compensation you know yeah. That's good. That's really good. You you mentioned pre-work and just in case people aren't aware of what that means, go ahead and unpack that. So going to your salary.com, your glassdoor.com um, and looking at the salary surveys that they have, not only for the title of the position that you're going for, um, but for that particular company, like what they pay their employees and for whatever locale you're in, because you're going to get paid differently if you live in San Fran than if you live in Atlanta or DC. Yeah. So making sure you kind of do run the gamut across those different um, markets, so yeah. You can put together an average of what you should be paid, and then think about what you would like to be paid before you go back to the tables and negotiate. Love it, I love it. What is um, the best song or success quote that that just motivates you? It gets it, it inspires you. It's a reference point. Disney has a saying um, that the most important thing that he ever did for his company was to coordinate and manage the talents of his team um, and also the goals of his business and bring those together. And I feel like that's the definition of a project manager. 
I take a team of individuals, they're designers, they're developers, they're testers, they're marketers, operations people, trainers, so on and so forth. They all have different talents. I help them to hone their talents and then bring their talents together cohesively and harmoniously. And then I take that, I apply it to a business goal and right. then we cross the finish line together. So he he was really big on people and um, execution. So bringing it. the people and execution pieces together, focusing on the culture, focusing on the strategy and bringing that together so it operated as one. Mm-hmm. And that's what really great enterprises do. And as an individual, I'm an enterprise, so I want to do that as well. I want to manage people and their talents and I want to manage whatever uh, my stakeholders goals are and bring those together mm-hmm. so that they mesh well and then we just take that across the finish line. Oh, I love it. I love that you owned um, someone who's a very successful, you know, business enterprise entrepreneur and that you kind of made it your own philosophy and how you apply your skills. That's, I love that. What's your personal idea of success? Um, I think success is peace, but not peace as in <laughs> I'm relaxed, but being <laughs> at one with yourself and understanding this is where I am. Yeah. This is where I've come from. This is where I'm going. And these are the steps, however small that I'm going to take to get to the next level. And being able to have an even keel way of handling each day, every morning saying, I'm good. Yesterday was great. These are, this is what I learned today is a new day. This is what I'm going to do. And then when I go to sleep at night, did I get it right? And if not, I start over tomorrow. So having that peace in the process, yeah. I think that's success because it takes a lot to get there because most of us are like all over the place yeah. all the time. But if I can get there within the next 10 to 15 years, I've arrived. I love it. I love it. Peace is huge, man. What, this is the last question. What book would you recommend to the She Ventures tribe regarding career success? Um, even some form of entrepreneurship, because I feel like you're entrepreneurial still. <laughs> um, and why? A book. So this is a fiction book. Mm-hmm. It is not nonfiction. Um, the Alchemist. It's one of my favorite wow, books. Paolo Coelho. I feel like it's apropos for um, lifestyle redesign and for pivoting at from a career perspective because the transitions that the main character has to go through after each pitfall and after each success Mm -hmm. are the same types of transitions that you have to go through if you're pivoting your career yeah so I've had highs you know in project management I've had lows I've had hey, I need to pick up some more skills in UI, UX in the design world because I have a marketing background and they're looking for something a little bit technical for my next role. Yeah. And those are some of the same, I feel like, conversations that that main character in The Alchemist had with himself as he moved through the transitions and understanding the place where he started was the place that he returned to and found what he was looking for the whole time. Wow. And sometimes... Like I was saying about that big first step is exploration. Where you start there, no matter where you go, more than likely, as long as you come back, you'll find what you're looking for. And then you go off again and explore new worlds and (laughs) come back. But never forget the place you started Mm -hmm. because that's where your foundation was set. 
And without your foundation, you might wander off where you're not supposed to go. That's good. I think he was preaching in that one right there. I like it. <laughs> That's my favorite book. I want my kids to read it, but I think it's above their reading level. <laughs> so now it's time for a grand finale. Um, okay. What is the one thing you believe keeps people stuck in a career they, they don't enjoy mm-hmm. and basically not taking those quantum leaps with their professional life? Yeah. I think most people will say fear, but I don't think it's fear. I think it's um, not believing in yourself um, wow. and not believing in your capabilities. So I think it's Richard Branson said, if someone offers you an opportunity and you don't have what it takes to do that, accept it anyway and figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe that no matter the job other than like maybe brain surgery, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I can figure out how to do it. Like if, if someone's going to give me the opportunity, I have enough belief in myself and the talents that have been bestowed upon me to know that I can figure it out. I can leverage the network that I have to help me figure it out. I can fall a few times mm-hmm. and still be okay and still figure it out. Yeah. So that belief in yourself and belief that you can do the impossible is what holds most people back because they'll say, I can't be a developer. My degrees in English. Sports science. <laughs> no, of course you can be a developer. Yeah. I can't be a, you know, a real estate broker. Like I'm not really a, a good salesperson. I'm, you know, more of an introvert. No, you could definitely be uh, a broker or a salesperson. You have to leverage what's inside of you. Right. Even that and then go and figure it out. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Ramona. I really appreciate you. Felt like this was rich and I felt like you really shared a lot of your story, personal stuff that, 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 you know, again, is hard to talk about with the, the topics that I'm addressing. Even, um, singleness is one of them starting a business. Um, I'm realizing in my own life that it's not every day that you find that people are willing to just give of themselves and just say, man, you know what? I went through a hard transition. I'm better now. And, but that's the thing is people share the victory stories and they don't share the journey. And so a lot of my intention with the podcast is to share the journey, share the, the downs and the highs. So thank you so much.